Measuring risk is like buying shoes. If you don't get measured and fitted properly, your feet hurt and you just wasted your money. You should not invest until you know how much risk you want to take and until your portfolio allocation matches your risk. Seems like common sense, right? It's been done for you. Money Matters USA with Fred Sage. And you also need to work with your advisor to create multiple income streams. You're at the right place for information every week regarding all the components of a successful retirement plan. Asset allocation is really a driving force for how much your accounts are going to grow. Fred Sade is a financial fiduciary and retirement specialist. I have to put the client's interest ahead of my own pocketbook at, at all times. I must be able to justify why I'm making the recommendations. Money Matters USA with Fred Sade. Fred Sade. Welcome. The podcast is Money Matters USA, and Fred Sade is the founder and managing director of the fiduciary firm of the same name, Money Matters USA. Fred uh, Sade has been in the financial services industry for a quarter of a century now, and holds a PhD in economics from Duke University. He's never been a shoe salesman to my knowledge. <laughs> no. Uh, how you doing, Fred? I did like a, the comparison though, because you said, you know, measuring risk is like buying shoes. You got to get a good fit for you. That's right. Yeah, that's true. And you know, um, why is it that many retirees and to-be retirees, for that matter, take more risk with their assets than they want? I mean, how many 60-year-olds want to take uh, 2008-like risk with their assets and lose 40%? Many think that they're taking a 10% risk, but they, they're really taking more. Uh, the S&P Spider 500 ETF has lost as much as the S&P index it represents. 57.4%. In recent reports, consumers say that only 43% of advisors discuss bear markets with them. That means only four out of 10 advisors address the problem of the bear market and portfolio loss. And we just talked about it before we started recording, Fred, Dancing with the Bears. Absolutely. Dance with the bear, you get hurt. <laughs> yeah, could. <laughs> you really could. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, you know, the whole thing is like gravity. If stock goes up, now it's going to come down. And, and what goes up the most comes down the hardest. So if you have a portfolio that's benchmarked to the S&P, and, and you should ask your advisor or broker if they are using a benchmark, and if they are, what is that benchmark? But if it is benchmarked to the S&P, which would be the, one of the broader averages you could use, then you should be aware that it can, and it has dropped, just as Dave said, uh, by as much as 57.4%. So the question that you have to answer for yourself is, is that much of a drop acceptable to you? And the next question is, why do so many retirees and to-be retirees have so much risk in their portfolio? In my opinion, it comes down to not having the proper way to measure risk in their portfolio. Well, should a retiree look at risk the same way that a younger person with 20, 30 years of work ahead of them look at risk? I, I know that in your process, you look at a concept called risk premium. Uh, yes, I, I, I do. I, I, I really want to get 
an answer from a client uh, or someone to, who is going to be a client, and I want to know how much money um, they're willing to lose. And, and that, that, that's what risk capacity is all about. Risk capacity is kind of fixed, and it, it, it just really means that it, at some point, the individual has to act. They have to de-risk. They have to cut their losses, and there's a certain amount of loss that they can stand. And at that point, they, they can take a you know, a, de a deep breath again, and they, and they, they feel better. And um, so the, 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 the whole idea then ultimately is to create a portfolio that matches the amount of risk the individual is willing to take. And um, we, do, we do testing on that. We want to have it in writing. We want to understand, and we want the client to understand, so they have it in writing how much risk they're willing to take, how much, how much money they're willing to lose. And there's no right or wrong answer here. The this is not a test where, where it's pass or fail or you get a grade on. What, what, what the test is going to tell us, among other things, is how much money are you willing to lose? And to uh, further answer your question, when you're younger, it's perfectly okay to chase returns, and, and you don't have to worry a lot about risk. But when you are in the retirement zone, that is five years before retirement and the first five years in retirement, you're in that 10-year uh, zone where your portfolio is fragile because the imperative there is to avoid large losses. So sometimes this 10-year period is called the fragile zone, and it's fragile because of the danger to the portfolio during this 10-year period. And one of the biggest mistakes that I see over and over again is that pre-retirees and um, and people who are who just retired or just early in retirement, um, they they they're still they're thinking still risk links uh, the amount of risk they're going to take, which the amount of return that they can earn. So they're basically in the chasing business, and what they're chasing are high returns. And as far as I'm concerned, that's a huge no-no. Mm -hmm. the, the issue is how much are you willing to lose, and that's and and that's that's the imperative here, because that's going to define how much risk you're 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 you really ultimately uh, are going to be taking. So if if you can't separate the two, then when the market downturns or it even becomes a bear market. You're going to lose a lot more than you than you thought was possible. And and today, Bank of America published its trading survey, and what what BAC is reporting is that small investors are simply not trading. They're 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 they're, they're staying put, and they're riding the market, and and they they want to go dance with the bear. And you still you have that danger that you're going to get mauled if you try if you try to 
you know, dance with the bear. Yeah, could be a dangerous dance. You said you put people through testing. How do you use the test results to explain how risk relates to their portfolio? And, and do you also use risk tolerance, which most advisors and brokers use? Okay, we do use risk tolerance, but I don't think that's particularly helpful. I, I think it's, you know, required and, and it's a check off the box. Everybody does it. I, I think the part that is very important is risk capacity. And risk capacity, which we've just discussed a bit, and we do that as country and language specific. In other words, if someone in Spain uh, or Portugal or France, you name it, if, if they took that, if they took the test, they would have a different outcome, uh, probably than someone in the U.S. who's a native American English speaker. Someone, say, who, who emigrated from another country who's taking the test in American English might have a different outcome if they took the test in their original language. So this, this could be tricky. And um, sometimes uh, if I think that, they're, that, that we're, we're not quite tracking, I ask them, what language do you think in? Because that's yeah. that's important because that that's the language that they think in and they're going to make their decisions. And so it's a on great the follow question. On, yeah. Yeah. So on the follow on conversations, I try to have the key parts of the conversation in the language, the original language for their decision making. So sometimes we may have to come to a parting of the ways if I can't find someone who would serve as a disinterested intermediary. And so, I mean, now the overwhelming number of conversations uh, occur in American English. But the next step, and, and, and I should say <laughs> that I wasn't aware of, of this uh, until um, until my, my daughter, who is, who is um, a, uh, an associate, professor at, at a medical college mm -hmm. took, took me to an event. And in the course of the presentation, there was a whole discussion of thinking and decision-making mm -hmm. uh, in your native language. And that's, and that, that's interesting. That was, I, I got a lot out of that yeah. uh, session. That's fascinating. Yeah. What language do you dream in too, maybe? <laughs> right. Could be. Yeah. That could be. Not necessarily would it be American English. Yeah, exactly. Now, my next step in my process, I, I want to present risk in, in, in as accurate a way as I can, consistent with the person's ability to, to understand what this process is. So we load the portfolio up into, into software, and then we get a risk score, and the risk score is superimposed over their portfolio, and the risk runs from 0 to 100. And anything that above that gets above sixty is going to the the the, um, uh, sc the scoring mechanism is going to turn red, and the, the thing the in other words the individual has a risk score and the portfolio has its own risk score, and the higher the risk scores are, the, the more that we're going to move into that danger zone, which which is why the the uh, parts of the screen are going to turn are going to turn red. Now, we do use different measurements uh, of risk, and there are a lot of different ways to understand risk. And if the person is really not technical, 
I would not have a, a you know conversation about some things like standard deviation. Yet I'm going to use standard deviation. I'm going to illustrate the concept without getting very technical about it, so that it, it, it so it's not an ordeal for the person, so they have some fun with it. And once we can see the relationship, once they can see the relationship really between their personal risk score and the portfolio scores, then the next question is to ask them, how do you think about yourself? What type of investor are you? Are you conservative? Are you moderate? Are you aggressive? Are you speculative? And for couples, we have each of them take the test separately, and we ask the same questions for them separately. So if they have separate portfolios, and often they, they do, so say, say um, they may have 401ks, IRAs, Roths, but then we're going to load their results separately. And so the next, the next thing we want to look at are drawdowns and market corrections. So if the market goes down 20, 30, 40, 50 percent, at what point we need to know, are they okay with the loss? We have them write it down. And, and we have to get them to match up we want to, with the amount of risk that they're taking. So most, for the most part, when people come in, their risk runs from zero to 40%. I, I've never seen anybody with an over 50%. And in our previous podcast, we, we showed what the math is on, on a 50% loss uh, to a portfolio. So I, I, the, the hardest part that I see is someone says, I'm going to lose 10% of my portfolio but they've got a risk score on the portfolio, say, of 73%. But the risk capacity test shows a 25% risk premium. So now we, we, we've, we've got a lot of moving parts here, and we've got to get this thing into balance. We, we, we need to know how much risk they're really willing to take, how much money they're really willing to lose, and we've got to we've got to construct portfolios that 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 match this. Everything needs to be uh, in alignment. So, the, the, for the most part, my experience is that that retirees just don't understand how the issue of loss relates to their portfolio until you get this conversation away from percentages and get it into dollars. In other words, from the way I look at it, you're just trying to read the label from inside the bottle. Do you think the um, the the I don't I don't want to say lack of understanding, and I don't want to say indifference, but maybe more of a casual approach. Did it come during such a long bull run that we had, or did yes. that grow? Oh no, I I I think so. I uh -huh. I, I think this is this is a case of of clearly of of, of bias. Um, uh, in, uh, in a number of respects, but I think this is the Fed will have my back. There's no other choice but uh, you know, but but equities. I need to go into the market, and I think that that uh, recency bias uh, still is still carrying on. And um, to some extent, there there could be some a little bit of validity there because the Fed has not done anything yet. Mm -hmm to decrease. In other words, it hasn't taken liquidity out of the market. Right. Uh, it, it's just done a little bit, you know, in increasing the interest rates and because the market is forward looking. So 
30-year mortgages have shot up uh, to 5% or, or uh, let's say 5%. And that's for people who have excellent credit. So if your credit is not so good, um, you know, it, it's obviously going to be higher uh, than, than, than 5%. So I, um, I, I think, I think you're, you're, you're right on, uh, I, that. It's almost like a uh, that, casual the, approach, you know, the, yeah. the, the punch bowl, the punch bowl is still there, but, but it's, it's being, it's going to be emptied. It's going to be emptied out. And, and that's, um, there's 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 so much risk involved uh, in, in in this, um, and you know you, you, when when the market goes down the way it has, I mean this this is billions of dollars that are destroyed you know in the course of a week. I think it's interesting too that you what you said about what language do you think in. I knew someone who had taken more than just the standard high school Spanish, you know. So he was a little more advanced in it, but certainly not fluent. And he did a, a student exchange uh, program in either a South American or Central American country, but anyway, Spanish speaking. And uh, he was told that there would be some English speakers there. And when he got there, he they weren't. <laughs> so he had to really bone up on his Spanish. But then between that and a stint he did with the Peace Corps back to Central or South America, he became fluent that way because he immersed himself in it. And I mean, he, he, I remember him saying, I, I, I tried to think, you know, I made myself think in Spanish. I mean, he even became very fluent in their vernacular as well, uh, that particular region, wherever he was. It's amazing. Yeah, have but. you ever, have you ever seen the, the movie uh, Ombre with uh, Paul Newman? I, you know, I don't think I have. Uh, I, I just, Resaw it again last night. I was lo- I was looking for something to uh, to watch and thought I would enjoy that. I mean, Richard Boone is is a play- he was usual playing a bad guy. Uh huh. But um, there's a scene in the movie w- which is appropriate to this. Uh, there's there's an exchange that, go- that goes on. It gets pretty heated, and, and finally Paul Newman in the character that he's that he's playing, uh, John Russell. Uh, says, and, and, and I thought about that in English. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, well. And John, well, John, and John Russell, I guess, was a real person and uh, uh, illegitimate uh, child, but the, uh, his father gave him, gave him his name, and, um, but Russell lived with, the, uh, with, 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 I guess, the Apache Indian. I can't believe I haven't seen that, but now I want to see that movie. Well, we're going to take a. I love those old type movies like that. Was I think I I just pulled that up. That was '67, I believe, when that probably, came out. It probably was. It, it, yeah. First, it was really well done. I, I must say, Paul Newman's uh, the, the performances were excellent. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, every, every one of them uh, were really really first rate. I found myself going back to older movies now. We're going to take a break here, but when we come back, a case study on one of Fred's clients and how the issue of risk was addressed. That is coming up. I do want to remind you, though, that Fred Sade is available in so many ways. Of course, we have the companion video series, and you can see that and really scroll through the menu of the topics. If you just search YouTube and it's Money Matters USA with Fred Sade, 
That's SAID is spelled S-A-I-D-E. Fred is also available to talk with you wherever you are. If you would like to talk about strategies that would be best for you in your retirement planning, and of course, that will include risk in your retirement, 800-593-8188, 800-593-8188, and more of Money Matters USA to come. Are you losing sleep over market volatility affecting your hard-earned retirement savings? You can't afford to lose a big portion of your nest egg with not enough time to recover. Many people want safety and the guarantee of principle, but also prefer the potential of higher growth with the market. And now you can have both. Call Fred Sade at Money Matters USA at 800-593-8188. That's 800-593-8188. We're back with Money Matters USA. And by the way, too, the website is moneymattersusa.net. Whether the stock market crashes or not, because we're talking about risk here, Uh, in the podcast today. Do you really want to have all or most of your assets, the assets you need to produce income for as long as you and your spouse live in anything that could crash and destroy your retirement? And if you say no to that, then why do you have the preponderance of your assets in a portfolio that can crash a number of times during your life? Why risk your retirement security? Is it because of the advice that some people are receiving, Fred? Well, let's look at a few case studies. Uh, And and to my way of thinking, these are examples of reading the label from inside the bottle. So let's look first at a prospective new client. Now, these are are real people. I've just changed the names. Uh, So I'm going to call the husband Sid. 60 years, eight years of age. He's married to, I'll call her Roberta. She's 62 years of age. They were referred to me by a client who happens to be Sid's brother, and I'm going to call the client Al, not his real name. Um, but they're real people. These are, these, these, are, these are real situations. So Sid and Roberta have worked with the same broker for 30 years, and the broker has become a friend, and the broker is a bridge partner of Sid's. They, they play competitive tournament bridge together. And I asked Sid and Roberta how much risk that they think that they were taking, and do they think that they would be in danger if the market crashed the way it did in 2008 when the market lost 53.8%. And Sid replied, you know, it's a good question because – he said, I, I just met with uh, with, with broker friend recently, and I asked that the risk in the portfolios be reduced now that uh, he and Roberta were, were about to retire uh, in three years. Broker said, don't worry. He modified the portfolios into, quote, unquote, conservative allocation model that he had available in his firm. So I completed a full risk analysis. And we're looking at, do we have another meltdown like 2008? And what would what would be the impact? So SIDS and Roberta's portfolios were projected to lose 55.2%. Now, SID had 1.9 million, and that would mean that his portfolio would be would lose 1,048,000. 
8,800, and that's a 55.2% loss. Mm. And that would leave him with $851,200. Well, when you do the math, when you do the math, that means that he would have to get a 123.2% recovery wow. gain just to break even. Now, Roberta had 900000 and with the same loss potential and a 55.2%. Now, the, these, the, the portfolios that were being used uh, were like the, uh, you may remember this, but they were like the, the nifty 50, the 50 stocks that you had to have mm-hmm. in, in 2000, 2002. And if you, um, and, 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 and these were the stocks that, that really rode, rode the market down. And now it's the FANG stocks, which, which, are go, which are going down. Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google. And kind of think of the FANG 4 as, as, <laughs> the, as the Beatles, the Fab 5. Right, right. <laughs> right. With George so, Martin, right? They'd be the Fab yeah, 5 but, with George. But, but, but it's, it hurts. I was going to say it smarts, but, but it hurts. <laughs> now, well, these, are the, these are the portfolios that the broker described as conservative. And, and you say, how could that be? Well, the truth of the matter is that I analyze portfolios that are negative 30, negative 40, negative 50, negative 60%. 60% is, is rare, but it does happen. And here's the truth of the matter. Brokers are, are, are trained to, to tell you certain things. They're going to tell you that, that they can get you a higher rate of return than the other guys, so you should go with them. You're going to tell you you need to write out the market because the market always comes back. So don't panic. Hang in there. Remember, you're in it for the long run. You're 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 not a trader. You're an investor. Remember, you're not taking risk. It's only a paper loss. Remember, brokers are trained to tell you that you're not taking uh, an excessive amount of risk, even if you are. Bro- what the broker is afraid of is that you're going to leave them from some- for somebody else who promises that they're going to get them an even higher rate of return, not because you lost money. So if you lost money, they figure that that's going to lock you in because you don't want to lose any more. So my question Uh, to you is how long would it take you to make back 123.2% to get a recovery gain? Uh, I'd say a long time. And also if said and Roberta are, or if they're taking income from the account and paying fees on the account, they may never make the losses back during their lifetimes. You said there is uh, Fred, a second situation when an outside service is uh, having them take too much risk. Uh, Yes. Uh, more, I, I would say 99%, almost 100% of retirees or to-be retirees I work with save money in a 401k, 457, 403b. It, the, these are all plans with an employer. And most plans offer some kind of allocation recommendations, and usually it's going to be a target date, uh, date fund. Now, let's assume that my client, who I'm going to call Tina, it's not her real name, but she had she had an allocation recommendation uh, program at her company. 
she filled out a, a, a generic questionnaire, gave her some guidelines on how to allocate her assets. And she told me that in her view, the answers were, and I'm quoting now, very conservative, close quotes. Mm -hmm. And she was told she was best suited for a moderate portfolio, not a conservative, but a moderate. So the moderate portfolio was a 30% allocation of bond funds and a 70% allocation of stock funds. Now, without, <coughs> excuse me, without going through the entire uh, written report in detail, here is what's relevant uh, and what she did not know and what she was not told was how much would she lose if we had another financial meltdown and a crash as we did in 2008. So I asked Tina how much of the million-dollar account was she willing to lose. Now, Tina is not married. She chose career over, over marriage. I wanted to find out her risk premium. And she said to me, I don't want to lose more than 5%, maybe 10%, but she said her preference was not more than 5 So we did the risk analysis on the portfolio, and the loss was a minus 32.3%. So in tangible terms, in dollar terms, that means she was she would have to be prepared to lose 323000 of her million dollars, and that would leave her with 677000 And that would require a 47.7% recovery just to get back to even. And I can tell you that Tina was very uncomfortable. So she asked me if she would be better off in the target date fund, and there were a number of them offered in the plan. Now, target date funds are a great idea, and the whole idea of a target date fund is it's based on investing assets more aggressively the longer you have until you retire, and then as you're closer to retire, you reduce the risk because, because you're going to need uh, income, and that then becomes your target. Now, the problem is many people think that if they go with target date funds, they can't lose principal in a target date funds, and that is false. You can lose principal. You can lose money in a target date funds. So if I use, which I did, using a risk analysis tool, the target date fund Tina was considering had a minus 42.04% loss during the 12-month period between March of 2008 and February 2009. That was four times the amount of risk Tina said that she wanted, and she didn't want this amount of risk. Now, there, there are other issues with target date funds, and I really don't have the time to get into a detailed discussion here. But what I'm going to say is that when I tell people how much risk they're carrying at first, they just don't believe me. They think there's no way that they can have that much Risk. And then I show them data from third-party sources, and we put them through the analysis, and they're normally stunned and shocked. It takes a while to recover. And I'm going to quote one sentence. This is in context from a Morningstar analysis of target date funds. The article was written by Jeff Holt, H-O-L-T. You can look this up. And the sentence I'm going to quote is, in the long run, the biggest risk in target date funds is that they won't meet investor expectations for avoiding losses, close 
quotes. Well, Fred, you all, again, something that we need to think about going forward, especially those, and I know this is where you direct the conversation to those in that financial red zone near retirement or maybe newly retired. As you do, you give us um, a lot to think about. In fact, in our next podcast, Fred will discuss the seven rules to accomplish retirement security. And that is something we definitely want. I encourage you to visit also and check out the companion video series. Fred does a great job on that. And it is found on YouTube. Just search Money Matters USA with Fred Sade, S-A-I-D-E. You can also reach Fred Sade if you want uh, him to put, uh, well, this expertise to work on, on your behalf. You can call him at 800-593-8188, 800-593-8188. Well, Fred, I guess I'll see you on the video. Yes, you will. <laughs> In the meantime, thanks for being with us on the podcast, Money Matters USA. Investment advisory services offered through Money Matters USA, LLC. Fred Sade and his guests provide general information, not individually targeted personalized advice, and are not liable for the usage of information discussed. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles should not be considered investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell in any of these financial vehicles. This information should also not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to the securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are offered through Money Matters USA LLC. By contacting Money Matters USA, you may be provided information regarding the purchase of insurance products.